Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. First of all, if we look at this story, um, one of the ways that sin is like leprosy is this. If you notice that, it would be on the surface. And as they looked on the surface of the skin, they weren't sure yet if what was going on underneath. It looked like something's going on, but we can't tell yet. There's something there. We got to examine it further to find out if that's leprosy underneath. We got to watch it for a while. I believe the sin is also that way, that sometimes it hides under the surface. Leprosy was a serious ailment in biblical times. When it first showed up on your body, you have to see it if it was just a spot or under the surface of your skin. If it was deep, it was leprosy. Today, Pastor Bill is going to show you that sin is the same way. Oftentimes, it starts under the surface of your life in ways that others can't see. As you fall deeper and deeper into it, it will be more evident in your life. Only you and God know the condition of your heart. If you're living in secret sin, you need to go to God for healing. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Leviticus chapter 11 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. This first portion in chapter 12 uh, deals with childbirth and all the things that they had to do because of childbirth. I'll, as we get into it, I'll explain more, but um, they've been giving the laws. God was giving them out throughout Leviticus. These are the laws for my children. And so last week, you guys remember, we looked at the dietary laws. There were things that they were not to eat. There were things that they were supposed to eat. And we saw the wisdom in what God had told them. Not only would it bring you know sanctification and separate them from the nations around them, we looked at many of the things that were off the menu for the Israelites and realized that it would have been a health benefit for them at that period of time. And so, um, as always, we see that God knows what he's doing. Uh, here in chapter 12, he gives some instruction for a woman that gives birth to a child, a boy or a girl, and uh, it's different for each one. So look at chapter 12, verse 1. It says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, If a woman has conceived and born a male child, then she shall be unclean seven days, as in the days of her customary impurity, she shall be unclean. And on the eighth day, the flesh of his foreskin shall be circumcised. So let's go back. So it just speaks of a woman gives birth to a child. Does anybody here know uh, in Israel what the custom was? If, if a woman was pregnant and they were getting ready to have a kid, they would set up this big celebration. Anybody know what would happen if it was a boy? Anybody know? Elio. They would celebrate. You know, for how long? Okay. They celebrate, week-long celebration, eighth-day circumcise them. Woo! Anybody know what would happen if it was a girl? If it were a girl, they would literally pack up the party. And this is not biblical. This is not something God had said to do. This is what men did apart from God. That was the custom. That is what they did in Israel. I know the women are not happy about that, but that's what they would do. If it were a male child, it was celebrated and a week long and eight days circumcised. Woohoo! And if it was a girl, they'd be like, hey, we had a girl. All right. And hey, God bless you, man. They would just pack everything up and go home. Um, I want to preface what we're going to see tonight because we're going to see that God makes a difference if a woman gives birth to a son or a boy. I would do my best to explain that um, in as biblical a way as I can. So that was the custom man. You know how there are customs that are man-made customs? 
that was the custom in Israel, but it was a man thing. There wasn't something that God had ordained or called it to be that way. That's just what it was. And so, um, so if a woman gave birth to a male child, God said she would be considered unclean for seven days as in the days of her customary impurity. And so in that time, if a woman was on her menstrual cycle, that was her customary impurity. She would be considered ceremonially unclean. She couldn't touch anything holy. She couldn't go into the temple. You know, she couldn't participate in any of those things um, for that period of time. And so they said, so if a woman has a male child for seven days, she'll be considered unclean. And then on the eighth day, the male child is to be circumcised. And then there's another period of time that she's going to be considered unclean. So first, let's deal with the circumcision. Uh, male child, it's wisdom here. On the eighth day, he was circumcised. God could have said circumcise him day one, out of the womb, clip him. But God said, wait till the eighth day. And again, they wouldn't have known this then, but we know now medically um, on the eighth day, it's at that period of time that the blood will now clot. So if they circumcise a kid on the third day, um, he could bleed, you know, a lot. But it's by the eighth day that the body is working in such a way that the blood begins to clot and all those sorts of things. So God had prescribed that it would be done on that day. Now the doctors can do it whenever they want. They give them a shot of vitamin K or they give them whatever they need to make sure it happens. But that's what God was doing here. And circumcision was going to be the sign, God's sign, the sign of the covenant for the children of Israel that all the male child on the eighth day would be circumcised. That was God's uh, covenant with Israel, with the men. So she was uh, on the eighth day circumcised. The son was to be circumcised. And in verse four, she shall then continue in the blood of her purification 33 days. She shall not touch any hollow thing nor come into the sanctuary until the end of her purification are fulfilled. And so a total, there were seven days and then there was another 33 days. That whole period of time, she would have been considered unclean 40 days total if she had a male child. Now, um, the reason for the impurity or the reason that she would be considered impure initially, um, obviously there's a flow of blood and those sorts of things. Um, I was reading up on this and there really is just a lot of speculation because God is going to extend the period of time if she gives birth to a female child. And so some of what I read, I couldn't really make sense of it. This is the best I can give you guys. Why the period of time? Why the unclean? Why? I know if there's a flow of blood, there's an impurity. I know if a woman has a child, that afterward there'll be a cycle. So there's an impurity there. Um, some suggested it was to give the mom time to bond and to just not be in the public at a time where her body and her immunity would have been down. Um, but then it wouldn't make sense if that were the case that it would be extended to twice the amount of time if it were a female child because it doesn't affect her any differently. And so all that I can say is it was God's prescribed period of time. You'll be considered unclean for this period of time. You're to be not in the temple, not in the sanctuary. You're to be set apart for this period of time um, and make sure that the male child is circumcised on the eighth day. Now, in verse five, it says, but if she bears a female child, then she shall be unclean for two weeks. For the male, it was just one week. But now if it's a girl, it's two weeks. Now, one of the guys I listened to on this said, because girls are double the trouble. I don't agree with that. That's what he said. So um, for a female child, there'd be two weeks that she would be considered unclean. Afterwards, with a boy, it was 33 days. For the girl child, it's 66 days. And says, so as in her customary impurity, and she shall continue in the blood of her purification 66 days. When the days of her purification are fulfilled, rather for a son or a daughter, she shall bring to the priest 
a lamb. And so there's an offering that's going to be brought forth. So let's go back. For the son, total of 40 days, the woman's considered unclean. If it's a female child, um, it's exactly double. Two weeks instead of one. 66 days instead of 33. How come? What is that all about? How come it's more for a female? And again, I listened to everybody that I could listen to on this. I was searching the scriptures myself to see what there was. This is what I believe. As I, This is what I reduced it to is this. Um, obviously, if God's blessed a woman to be able to bring children into the world, it's the blessing. Um, being able to bear children, have children is a blessing from the Lord. Um, male or female. Now, if a woman brings a male child into the world, there's a period of time she's considered unclean and she has to offer a sacrifice. And it's because when a person is born into the world, um, even though babies are cute and they're, you know, we love them and they're like, look at my, <laughs> what are they? You guys, they're sinners. So it's woman's blessing. Woman brings another sinner into the world. Now they're cute little sinners, they're cuddly little sinners, and they look like you little sinners, and they suck on bottles and little, but they're little sinners. And she's brought a sinner into the world. Now, that's one reason. So again, but why double for a girl? This is what I've got as I've looked through it and looked through it and looked through it. Um, not only is woman responsible for bringing children into the world or bringing sin into the world, um, it's also the case that the original sin came from, where, where did it start at? Who did it first? Anybody know? Who sinned first? Who said Adam? No, no, no. Oh, before Adam sinned, who handed Adam the watermelon? Y'all know it was a watermelon? No, I'm just kidding. All right, so Eve, right? She did it first. She sinned first. Um, in two weeks, uh, we're going to be all up in this in First Timothy chapter 2, but um, she introduced it. That was her. She stepped out first. As the woman was deceived, um, stepped out of her role, led the man into sin. She sinned first. Um, you know, Adam is dealt with because he's the head and he's the leader. But she did that first. And so said that you bring a female child into the world twice as long. And again, as I, I've been spending the last week, as I'm preparing for Sunday and looking at this, wanting to be really faithful to the word because God does make a distinction between man and woman. Um, our culture makes a distinction in a, maybe in a not biblical way. The culture back here made a distinction between men and women also in a very unbiblical way, but God makes a difference between men and women because we are different to God. We have different roles. We have different things that we're able to do. No man is able to bring forth a child. Praise God. Um, that's not, God didn't give that to us to be able to do. He gave that to the woman, so forth and so on and so God says, look, if you bear a female child, it's going to be uh, 14 days and another 66 days that you're going to be considered unclean. Again, why extra long if it's a female child? Uh, the main distinction or difference that I can find between the two is that she opened that door first. Obviously, whether it's a male or female, they're born into sin. But when a woman has a female child, not only is she bringing a sinner into the world, she's bringing a sinner into the world that can also bring sinners into the world. So I hope that's, it may be offensive, it may be bothersome, but um, it's there. There's a twice the length of time. Now, for either one, male or female, there's an offering. They've got to offer sacrifice um, because a child has been born. And you think about that and think, wow, wait a minute. Um, the Bible says that children are a blessing from the Lord. Psalm 123, the fruit of the womb is his reward. The man that have his quiver full of them is a blessed man. Um, 
But here it seems like, you know, they're having to not repent, but they're having to make a sacrifice for the kids that are being brought into the world. And so in verse six, when the days of her purification are fulfilled, whether for a son or daughter, she shall bring to the priest a lamb of the first year as a burnt offering uh, and a young pigeon or a turtle dove as a sin offering. So she's bringing a burnt offering for the priest and she's also bringing a pigeon or a turtle dove for a, a sin offering to the door of the tabernacle of meeting. Then he shall offer it before the Lord and make atonement for her and she shall be clean from the flow of her blood. This is the law for her who was born a male or a female. And if she is not able to bring a lamb, then she may bring two turtle doves or two pigeons, one as a burnt offering and the other as a sin offering. So the priest shall make atonement for her and she will be clean. And so I just want to point out that why is she making a sin offering? Is it a sin to get pregnant and have babies? No, she's making a sin offering because she just brought a sinner into the world. And so now there's going to be an atonement made for this new little sinner, right? I mean, think about this. They just cracked the womb. And God said, as soon as you're finished with your impurity, I want you to go make a sin offering. I want you to go and burn offering and a sin offering on behalf of this new child that's come forth. And so I just want to point this out. Just a few things about kids, which is what we see right here in the word. As cute as they are and as much as we love them, they're sinners. They need to be atoned for. As we raise our kids up, as we train them up, even when you get a brand new little baby, and they're cute and they're at that place where a lot of people see little babies and they say, oh, they're so innocent. And they are compared to us, but not to God. Um, in God's sight, God sees them for what they are. He knows the potential that's in them. They're born in sin. They're born. David said, my mother brought me forth in iniquity. I was born in sin. That didn't mean she had him out of wedlock. It means that he was born in sin and iniquity. And so we need to remember that as God blesses us with children much as we love them and want to pour out upon them and lavish them that they're sinners. They need to know. Now, we're not offering sacrifice for our kids. What are we to do for our kids? We're to teach them about the one who's made atonement for them. We're to teach them about the one that's been sacrificed to them. Our job as parents is to help our kids understand what he's done for them, what Jesus has done for them. Because here, they're making atonement right out the womb and they'll continue to do so. And at some point, these kids will grow up and they'll do it for themselves. They'll be responsible to do it for themselves. Um, for us as parents, if we're blessed with kids when they're young. There's a point at which they can't do anything yet. You know, they can't really make a decision. They can't choose. They can't. They're just little bitty blobs. And we just take care of them and we feed them and we clean them and we wash them and we clothe them and we roll them over back and forth. We trade them and hand them off. But they grow up. And they get to a point where they do start making decisions. They do start thinking. And we got to be real careful as parents what we sow in. Make sure that we're sowing in Jesus, you guys. Make sure that we're teaching them about him, that they're growing up in him. That that's the first. As I look at this and I think, man, the first thing a parent was to do for their kid, if it was a boy, circumcise him. What is that symbolic of? The cutting away of the flesh. I mean, he's not even thinking yet. Cut that flesh away. It's going to be a sign that he belongs to me. It'll be a sign that he grew up on this side with you guys. I want to mark him now. If it's a girl saying, you know, we're going to atone for them either way. And so I just think it's important for us as parents to realize that at every stage, when they first crack the womb, um, we need to already be thinking that way, praying for them that way, lifting them up that way, sowing it in that way that they would come to know the Lord as early as possible. So now we're going to switch gears as we move into chapter 13 and we're going to deal with the laws concerning leprosy. We're not even going to try to do this whole chapter. I just want to cover the first eight verses. I'm going to read through them, and then I'm going to come back 
and go through them a little slowly. And then I, I want to look as we wrap up, I want to look at a story in the gospel of Luke. I just want to point out if you're writing notes, write down Luke chapter two, verses 22 to 24. And in Luke 2, 22 to 24, when Jesus was born, um, Mary had to make this offering for him. And I just wanted to point out Luke 2, 22 to 24, it says, now when the days of her purification, this is Mary, the mother of Jesus, uh, when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were completed, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male child who opens a womb shall be called holy to the Lord, set apart, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two pigeons. And I just want to point out that Mary had to offer the lesser offering. If you couldn't afford to give a lamb, if you were poor, you could give a pigeon and a turtle dove. And so I just want to point out that Jesus was brought forth, he was brought forth in poverty. Um, Jesus wasn't rich. I mean, God the Father could have put Jesus in any home with any set of parents that he wanted. And he said he gave them to Mary and Joseph. They weren't wealthy. They had to offer up the little birds, the poor offering. And so I think in our culture, sometimes parents are so concerned with what we can give our kids things and forgetting to give them the most important things. And so I just thought that was interesting that Jesus could have been brought forth into any kind of home that God saw fit. He brought him into a home that didn't have a lot of stuff, didn't have a lot of money, but they did have a lot of the right stuff. Uh, Mary, she was a woman of virtue and purity, and she was set apart for the Lord. God brought them into a home that had all the right stuff. They didn't have a lot of stuff. They weren't rich, but they had the right stuff. So just a reminder for us parents, especially this time of year, we want to give our kids all kind of stuff. We want to give our kids a lot of stuff. Make sure we're giving them the right stuff. I'll leave it at that. All right, verse 13 now. Uh, we look at the laws concerning leprosy. Um, again, verse 1, And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, When a man has on his skin swelling a scab or a bright spot and it becomes on the skin of his body like a leprous sore then he shall be brought to Aaron the priest or to one of his sons the priest the priest shall examine the sore of the skin of his body and if the hair on the sore has turned white then the sore appears to be deeper than the skin of his body it is a leprous sore then the priest shall examine him and pronounce him unclean so let me explain what leprosy is. And um, it was a big deal in their culture. It's not really something we see or deal with today uh, because it's not something we have today. But leprosy back here was a very serious uh, malady. If you were a leper, it impacted your life in every way. Um, it was a disease for which there was no medical cure. So if someone was, became a leper, they were going to die a leper. Uh, there was no medicinal medical cure. There was no way to be healed of it uh, outside of a touch from God. And so in the natural realm, a leper was going to die a leper. It was a progressive disease. And so once you were found out to be leprous, it wasn't going to turn back. And so if you were a leper, they separated you from everybody else because it was also very contagious. So if you were a leper, you couldn't be with your family. You had to be separated from your people. You had to live in a colony of other lepers. And it was a disease that was a deteriorate. It was one where, well, it would just be gross, but um, they would lose feeling in their fingers, their toes, things would fall off. Um, it was just something that your body would just start to decay on you. And it was leprosy. There would be sores and swellings and all these sorts of things. Um, and it was something that you would eventually die of. So you didn't want to be a leper. 
You didn't want to, I mean, if I were in that culture as a man, a husband, a dad, a pastor, in my community, and I got leprosy, I'd have to be put out. I wouldn't be able to be with my wife no more because she catch it. I'd be with my kids, they catch it. I couldn't be around y'all because y'all would catch it. I'd be out there with some other lepers walking around in a leper colony. Um, And so it had to be a very depressing, bummed out thing to be. And so the way that God dealt with it is that they had to come and show themselves to the priest. The priest would be the one to determine um, if it was a leper spot or not. So if you begin to have these spots on you and you look like it might be leprosy, you had to go and show yourself to the priest and he would examine you. And sometimes they would say, go away for seven days, come back, and he would examine you again. And they would determine if indeed what they saw in you was leper. So God is giving them a way to detect it. So um, first they looked and they said, if, if there's a sore where there's hair, if the hair turns white, said it's leprous indeed, it's leprosy. And they would pronounce you unclean. Um, when they pronounce you unclean, that meant that you couldn't worship. You couldn't go to sanctuary. You couldn't go to the tabernacle. You couldn't gather with the body. You were unclean. You were outside of the camp. You had to be out there. I look at every, in every possible way would impact a person's life. Not something that you would want to have. Verse four. But if the bright spot is white on the skin of its body and does not appear to be deeper than the skin and its hair has not turned white, then the priest shall isolate the one who has the sore for seven days. So if the hair doesn't turn white and we're not sure it's leprosy, we're going to isolate you for seven days to re-examine you afterwards. Verse six, then the priest shall examine him again on the seventh day. And indeed, if the sore has faded and the sore has not spread on the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him clean. It is only a scab and he shall wash his clothes and be clean. But if the scab should at all spread over the skin, After he has been seen by the priest for his cleansing, he shall be seen by the priest again. And if the priest sees that the scab has indeed spread on the skin, the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is leprosy. So if you get pronounced clean and then it starts to spread, they bring you back. You got to be reexamined. If they see that now it's spread all over the place, you're unclean. You'd be considered unclean. And again, all these things would be the case. Um, What I wanted to do, uh, because again, it's a pretty long chapter dealing with all the laws concerning leprosy. I wanted to point out something that we see throughout scripture that leprosy, because it's not something we really deal with today, but leprosy is in so many ways synonymous with sin, Um, just like sin in so many ways. And so I wanted to point those out and then I wanted to look at a story uh, with us in the gospel of Luke. And so first of all, as we look at this story, um, one of the ways that sin is like leprosy is this. If you notice that it would be on the surface And as they looked on the surface of the skin, um, they weren't sure yet if what was going on underneath. It looked like something's going on, but we can't tell yet. There's something there. We got to examine it further to find out if that's leprosy underneath. We got to watch it for a while. I believe the sin is also that way. That sometimes it hides under the surface. And it's not clear right up front that you may recognize some of us with kids. We'll look and we'll say something's not right. Something's going on. I don't know what it is. I got a clue that something's going on. You know, my kids are kind of giveaways. You know, they be something on their face and I just can see on the face and I, what's wrong? What's going on? Something happened right now. The face is telling me something under the surface. This should be something right there. You know, uh, my youngest, I remember him one day, you know, whenever I pick him up from school, he would look happy always. I pick him up, hey, he would come to the car all happy, bounding and happy to come to the car. And I remember one day going to pick him up. He was coming to the car. He could have made his face any longer. It was long. It was like, and I knew when I looked at him, he got in trouble. (laughs) 
<laughs> he's probably gonna get a spanking. Something bad has happened today, but it was written all over him. I'm looking, and sure enough, he got to the car and he's like, I got a big heart. And, you know, he's giving me the whole thing, and so that's what it was. But it was at first sight, it was like, yep, yeah, something not right. Pastor Bill Buffington will share more from the book of Leviticus right here on A Transforming Word. But that's all we have time for today. A Transforming Word is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood, and our prayer is that this ministry touches your faith in such a way that you grow closer to Jesus. We know just how hard it is to live like Christ in a world full of darkness. But just as the Israelites had to learn, God is near. Even when you don't see Him, even when you don't feel Him, even when you don't understand Him, He is near and He is for you. His grace is endless and His love is deep. When the pressures of this world get to you, remember who you are in Him. If you'd like to learn more about the book of Leviticus and you'd like to study the Bible more deeply, we have a helpful Bible reading plan on our website. This can be a useful guide to help you explore the Word on a daily basis. Just visit CalvaryEnglewood.org and you'll find resources and tools to help you continue to grow in your faith. Before we go, we also want to let you know that you can connect with us on social media too. Like and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. We'll add some uplifting content to your week. A Transforming Word is a broadcast on the radio, and our goal is to help spread the good news of the gospel. If you'd like to find out more about how to support A Transforming Word, go to CalvaryEnglewood.org or donate through our app. We're so thankful for your support and more than anything, we hope this ministry has been and continues to be a blessing to you. Thanks for your support and thanks for tuning in. To learn more from Leviticus, be sure to join us next time right here on A Transforming Word.